Bitwise Bobby. My name is Joe Goldberg Giuliano. I'm an attorney in Massachusetts and my office is in Boston. I've worked with Normal National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws on their legal committee for about 10, 11 years. And I consider myself a cannabis attorney. I represent businesses who are licensed to sell cannabis at the state level, aspiring business people to open cannabis business, as well as people who have been arrested for black market cannabis possession. And my goal is this essentially to make it so that cannabis is a source of happiness and prosperity in people's lives and certainly not a source of pain and suffering or incarceration or, you know, losing your job or anything like that. I really want to know, how did you decide that this is what you wanted to do in your practice? When I first started or first conceived of getting involved in cannabis law, it was almost entirely a business, at least in Massachusetts, of criminal defense. And uh, that's really, you know, where my strongest roots are. They're in criminal defense. They're in search and seizure. You know, I've written about dog sniff laws and essentially, you know, it's substantial amount of my practice is still uh, defending cannabis cases. It wasn't long after I started practicing that the business side started to grow and become a bigger thing. First with the medical law here in Massachusetts, and then the recreational law coming into existence. And so now a good portion of my practice is advising both licensed businesses that may have some sort of issue with the Cannabis Control Commission or individuals in that business who maybe you know get in trouble and it threatens their license, but also very early stage entrepreneurs who are saying, I'm thinking about starting a cannabis business. I better go talk to a lawyer first. So how does a business navigate that zone? Because like you said, it, it used to be criminal in Massachusetts and now it's not, but federally it still is. Don't take this as legal advice. If you have a legal problem, go find a lawyer in your jurisdiction. But it's true. It's illegal under federal law. Now, what happened was under the Obama administration, the Department of Justice issued an internal memorandum known as the Cole Memo. And basically what it says is, if you avoid certain problem areas, we, the Department of Justice, are not going to go after state compliant businesses. It wasn't a guarantee of amnesty, but basically what they said is, we're going to deprioritize those cases. So the gist of it, even though they couldn't come right out and say it is, look, as long as you're not involved with any other crimes, if you're in compliance with state law, you're pretty safe. We're not going to come after you for violating drug laws, we the feds. Now, the problem areas that they illustrated make a lot of sense. So some of those include using a legal cannabis business or a, a regulated cannabis business as a means to uh, cover up other illegal activity or for money laundering, you know, as a front for a cartel organized crime. They certainly don't want anybody cultivating on federal lands. So they outlined in these problem areas and basically said, look, as long as you don't get involved with any of these problem areas, we're pretty much going to keep hands off. All right. So then uh, Trump gets elected and Jeff Sessions comes in and he rescinds the coal memo. And basically sort of puffs out his chest being like, we're not giving free safe haven anyway. And then he does absolutely nothing on the ground to change what was going on. Okay, so they came out, they rescinded the coal memo, but did the enforcement practices change? No, not a bit. Fast forward, Joe Biden takes office. And one of the first things Merrick Garland says before taking over as United States Attorney General is that he thinks it is a bad use of resources to go after state compliant businesses. 
So what most of us took that to mean is for the most part, the Cole memo is pretty much back. It's not official, but I still believe that those are the same sort of trigger points that are going to get you investigated. So if you do take money from a drug cartel or if you do have some sort of ties to uh, international trafficking or, or something that they don't like, those remain the trigger points that are going to get you in trouble. I feel comfortable telling my clients, yes, I cannot promise that you will stay out of federal problems because it is illegal under federal law. But I also say to them, if you stay compliant with state law, the chances of you getting in trouble for violating drug laws specifically are extremely slim. The biggest thing to think about sort of on a macro level when it comes to cannabis laws right now is, is what type of model we want for allowing consumers to use cannabis products. So historically, we've had a prohibition model, both on the state and federal level. We still have it at the federal level, but the states are moving away from that, moving towards a regulated model. That's where things seem to be headed is toward a regulated model. But there's a third model that a lot of activists advocate for, which is called the tomato model, which is essentially unregulated, which is you can grow as much as you want in your backyard. You can sell it at the roadside without any special license or permit that essentially it's unregulated and market forces will take over. It's relatively non-toxic substance. So live and let live. Perhaps maybe some laws around underage use, but for the most part, no regulations. That's the tomato model that I think a lot of people want. So what are the pros and cons to the different models? Well, obviously prohibition you know, has mass incarceration. It's expensive for society. It ruins lives. I think there's a lot of consensus, at least among younger generations, that that's a bad way to go. Now, the regulated model is sort of what's in vogue right now, but there are some disadvantages to it. Under a regulated model, it makes it a lot harder for the little guy, the mom and pop shop to compete because when you have something highly regulated, you inevitably need to hire experts, lawyers, accountants to make sure that you're in compliance. And so just your overhead immediately goes up. So that's one disadvantage to the regulated model. Another disadvantage is that right now it's, it's a hodgepodge of regulations under state law. So that actually helps the little guy because it doesn't allow anyone to consolidate like all the power. But what a lot of people are really concerned right now is that if they legalize it and regulate it at the federal level, that this will essentially pave the way for big alcohol and big tobacco to take over the industry. If they want to go with the tomato model federally, I'm all for that. But I am not crazy about the idea of essentially creating a single federal regulation that will govern all 50 states on cannabis, because as far as I'm concerned, that paves the way for the big guys to come in and it leaves the little guys with almost no chance to compete. So you're saying that the regulated model is anti-competitive? Somewhat. I mean, it, it certainly presents serious barriers of entry because essentially regulations tend to mean you need more operating capital to begin with. And as a result of needing operating capital to begin with, it freezes out a lot of people who maybe don't have great credit or they don't have inherited family wealth that they can sort of apply towards starting a business. So it weeds out, no pun intended, people who we would want in the industry who have good ideas and who maybe even have innovative products, but they just don't have the access to capital that allow them to function in a highly regulated environment. I can deal with state level regulations, even with those people. The only thing that allows them to compete, though, is the fact that there are 50 different sets of regulations because they're so disjointed. It means that the big guys are not in a, a significantly better position 
on the state level to compete. Yes, they have more money and more capital, but they don't have the ability to, to just scale up and freeze out everybody else the way they would if it was a single set of federal regulations and sort of entrenches these behemoth corporations running an industry. 